Welcome to Map the Maze. I wanted to share the ideas and thoughts in the podcast that you're about to listen to with a wider audience. But please know that nothing in this podcast is intended to be legal, financial, or mental health advice. It is really important that you seek independent, professional advice to help you with your situation and your circumstances. Knowledge is power. So let's get to it. So welcome back. Last week's episode was about some top tips for remote mediation. And so I thought this week, what I'd like to talk about is, can online or remote mediation be better in some cases than coming to a mediation in person? So it's a little bit of a radical idea, uh, but I wanted to talk about it because it is a live issue and it remains a live issue that for the foreseeable future, there are going to be limitations on how many people you can have in a room. And I think one of the things that's really important for me is I work with a lot of families. So although I think people often kindly extend their family bubble to include me, the reality is I'm in a lot of family bubbles and my priority is to make sure that everybody feels safe and comfortable when they come to mediation. So from my perspective, remote or online mediation has become a really invaluable tool. So I've had quite a few conversations with people who are mediating their separation with solicitors and also with other mediators who are in similar situations navigating moving their entire practice potentially to a remote or online mediation model. So I wanted to start by talking about some of the issues that I hear that people are concerned about and just having having a think about some of those. So the first one I guess I hear often is there's a lot of concern about the lack of ease of communication. So we are used to, I think, speaking in the same physical space as another person and communicating with them. And I think that for some of the people that I work with, they're not used to using technology in their day-to-day lives to have remote conversations or remote meetings. And definitely I know that it can cause anxiety. So for many of the people that I'm working with, they're already dealing with one of the hardest things in their lives, their separation. On top of that, they now are trying a totally new process, mediation, and then they're layering on a completely new mode of communication through online mediation. And I appreciate that for some people, it's just overwhelming. It's too many demands at a time when their capacity is lower than normal. I think another concern I hear is that if we're sitting across the table, it can be easier to share information physically. So we can hand documents across the table. We can point at the item that's of concern. We can highlight the relevant numbers to help us explain information. And all of that physicality, that immediacy is definitely missing from the remote world. And I think the last part about communication is really the sort of the human part, which is that we to greater or lesser degree, read nonverbal communication if we're in the same room, that it can be really important to notice, to recognize the cues that we're receiving from other people to make our communication more effective. Now, I have to say that often, I think in mediation, uh, people are very focused on delivering their message and are less good 
at reading the nonverbal cues from other people. But definitely, I know that that is a concern for some people, that without the physical presence in the same room, their communication is going to be more challenging than if they were on remote. The second concern I often hear is around privacy. So when people come to a joint session in mediation, one of the most important principles that we talk about to facilitate communication is confidentiality. That in the mediation space, those communications are protected um, in some places by statute, in some places by contract, uh, in some places by both. And that in general, there's a very high bar if you are in a court process to breach that confidentiality, that judges are extremely supportive of mediation confidentiality. The reason that's important is that if people feel that they can say things in the mediation room, make offers, consider proposals, that it won't be held against them later, it can encourage communication. It can encourage people to make proposals that if they're in a court setting, they're going to feel defensive. They're not going to feel that they can be vulnerable and make that offer. So in the room, it's really easy to see who has access, obviously, who is there. Um, And it's really easy to have a conversation about, I want to have my solicitors present, for example, or I want to have a support person present. So it's less typical, but definitely for some people that I work with, it's really helpful to have a an emotional support person there who can provide them with that sense of um, connection and stability. And they may never say anything. In fact, most times they say nothing, uh, but it can really be helpful um, for somebody who's anxious about the mediation to have someone there. Obviously, in a physical space, we can see that. You can see everybody who is in the room. In the online setting, I have had clients express concern about who will be listening in, who will be in the room. Uh, That is a discussion that needs to be had openly. Uh, And also, I guess the concern from my perspective is if people aren't able to guarantee that privacy, that confidentiality, then they're not really approaching the mediation in good faith. So it is a it is a discussion that needs to be had. I guess one other concern that's related to that privacy is where is the mediation going to be held, i.e. where will you be um, remotely connecting from? So for some people, the only option is to be at home. They don't have a workspace they have access to. They don't have a third destination. They may not be able to go to their solicitor's office. And for some people, that is a concern in the sense that if there are other people, specifically children around, does that A, mean that they're going to be distracted? And B, does it mean that the children may overhear some of the discussions? In addition to that, physical privacy, I think some people do have concerns about the security of the various platforms that are used for online discussions, that they're secure. Uh, And definitely in the early days, I think of the various lockdowns that have been happening around the world, there are a lot of concerns that were raised about the security and um, the privacy of those platforms and how they were being secured. And I think the last concern I generally hear from people is about the technology. Will it be disruptive? Have they perhaps had some very bad experiences or maybe there's a really bad connection where they live uh, and that actually the connection itself will make the whole process inefficient. 
Do they have the right equipment? What happens if something goes wrong? Can they fix it? All of those concerns, I think, absolutely legitimate. And definitely, I have participated in remote mediations where it's been an issue. I have to say, we've always managed to find a workaround, but it is definitely something to consider. And I guess that kind of goes back to last week's podcast, which was about preparation. So I think certainly for some people, the decision will be to try and wait until either quarantine is passed or government restrictions are lowered and people can have in-person mediations. But I think it is worth considering the impact on mediation, both in my experience and also anecdotally from other mediators that I've talked to about how the remote mediation mode is impacting mediation because I think there are some real benefits which are worth considering. And I think maybe some of them are actually even a little bit surprising. I guess the first thing to say is that it's common that in some jurisdictions, for example, places like Australia, mediating remotely, whether that's online with video or telephonically, is normal. It's not considered an unusual practice. That for some mediators, all of their work is done remotely uh, due to either long distances, the high costs of travel, inability to get childcare. It's not unusual for them. So in my practice, it has been the exception rather than the norm until coronavirus. So previously, I would often start an in-person mediation process, but might need to shift to remote if somebody was traveling or maybe had relocated. So those mediations would often involve one person being in the room with me and one person being online. So in my experience, that structure does bring challenges. So if you can imagine, you're sitting on a mediation, you're now watching your mediator and the other party on your laptop screen or your computer screen, and you're trying to put in place the big arrangements to answer the big questions. What what will your life look like? What is going to happen to your children? What will their lives look like? So the stakes are really high. And I think for some parties who watch on a screen, the other person sitting next to the mediator, it can seem as if there is a consensus in the room or an alliance in the room or even a coziness due to the physical proximity that if you're watching remotely, you're not sharing. And I think that is a really natural human response to being remote while others are sharing a live experience. So it's something that I've noticed in mediations Uh, where one person's in the room and the other person is remote. And in order to manage that concern, I always talk about it before we start, that I think it's really important to normalize some of these concerns, but also to acknowledge them and also to um, reassure people that that isn't what's happening. The fact that two people are sitting in a room doesn't mean that they agree, certainly doesn't, Um, and that the person who is remote is not disadvantaged because they're not in the room. So I think whilst it's a totally normal concern, it's one that I think most mediators work very hard, diligently, to make sure is not a real concern, doesn't impact the mediation. The one I think that's really surprised me about remote mediation, the benefit, is the efficiency. So it seems counterintuitive that you would have people in different spaces and that their discussion would be more efficient. So this one has been 
a real surprise, but I see it playing out in lots of different ways. One is that no one is traveling to the mediation. And so usually this means that people are more focused on starting on time, that because they just have to get to their desk or to a space that's private, it is easier than having everybody try and coordinate their arrival times at the mediation. I think the second thing that's really interesting to me is that the mode, the medium itself requires focus from people. So I, um, in a physical mediation, an in-person mediation, people will get up, they'll go to the bathroom, they might go and get a coffee. All of that is really helpful because what you don't want is people to be mentally and emotionally and physically exhausted. But in a an online mediation, I'm finding that people are more structured about that. So we might have a structured 10 to 15 minute break. A, it means it's always happening. So I think that's actually a real benefit, but also it's happening in a way that is more organized. So that in itself makes things more efficient. And I think what's been interesting for me is in general, I see a very high degree of focus from all people who are online during the mediation. That can be the parties, it can be the solicitors. And it's really interesting for me. I think part of it is the mode itself. People are working to make sure that they're focused and concentrating because they're having to work a little bit harder, maybe to hear everything, to make sure that they're aware of everything. But it's a real um, benefit, I think, in terms of mental focus, that people do become a little bit more present in the room, which sounds very strange considering it's a virtual room. From my perspective, the other reason why this can be very efficient is if people go to their solicitor's offices, so they may be sitting in a room together, I'm sitting remotely back in my office, the other party is maybe sitting in a room with their solicitor. Now, if during the mediation, maybe we're looking at proposals and counterproposals, if we were in a physical space, we might have to physically break that if people wanted to have some time to speak to their solicitors about a proposal, to consider it, to maybe work out how they want to come back with a counterproposal, we would have to physically break. Everybody walks off to different rooms. Inevitably, I've never yet had a break um, where people want a private conversation where someone hasn't said, oh, this is my chance to get a coffee <laughs> or to, um, to just have some time out. So it can take longer than is intended. One of the big benefits that I see from online is that it's extremely easy to either set up breakout rooms for different parties and their solicitors, or to actually just shift people back to a waiting room, or the easiest, they can turn off their microphone. So if people want to have that private discussion, they can very quickly turn off their mic, turn it back on when they're ready to come back into the conversation. And I found that to be <clears throat> excuse me, an extremely efficient way for people to work um, and definitely a very efficient way for people to work with their solicitors in the mediation. So that's been a big surprise, I think. The next benefit I think is obvious, but I think maybe I had under, under um, anticipated how impactful it would be. And that is that without being in the same physical space, people are not physically triggered by having to sit across the table from the other person. So one of the biggest challenges when I speak to people who are separating is the idea of coming to mediation and having to sit across the table from someone who there is no trust with. Um, communication is broken down. They may not have even spoken to the other person directly 
for a long time. Sometimes I work with people who have only communicated with each other through solicitors. So that can be really difficult. And I think for a lot of people, just the physical presence of the other person can be really triggering. So what's been interesting is that people express these concerns about in-person mediation and haven't really address the fact that remote mediation takes away that physical trigger. So moving to a remote mode, online mediation, means that people don't have to sit across the physical table, that they don't have to be in the same room, that they can still communicate through the online mode, but that it is in a definitely, it is in a more controlled manner. So I think for a lot of parties, this has actually been really beneficial that it's easier to have that conversation without being trapped in the same physical space, because I think sometimes people feel like that. Um, And I also think that people, because they need to spend more energy, more cognitive processing on making sure they've heard things, um, making sure they're managing the technology properly, it's just a distraction. So in fact, the other thing that I've seen and anecdotally have heard from other mediators is that we, people can get distracted from their emotional response to the other person because they're focused on working in the mediation. So I think that for me was an unexpected and and potentially really powerful learning that the the physical trigger that is being in the room is something that we talk about in mediation with clients. And there are definitely ways to manage that. Um, One of the podcasts later, I'll talk about how do we manage that challenge, particularly if there are safety concerns or just if people feel it's not going to be productive. But that in general, most people end up having to sit in the room with each other. And this experiment, global experiment we're all doing in remote working and being online has really given, I think, a lot of mediators an opportunity to see there are some real advantages for parties in moving to a remote platform if this is a real concern for them. So I guess from what I've said, like everything in life, there are positives and negatives. So the question is, is it better? And again, I think I'm going to give that unhelpful answer that um, I always got when I was a trainee solicitor, it depends. Um, So I think for some people, mediating online can be really helpful. As I've just indicated, I think there are some real positives for people who are concerned about either efficiency or uh, emotionality, that remote mediation can be extremely helpful for that. So I guess the question is, if you are thinking about using remote mediation, what are some things that I think it's worth considering in advance so that to help you decide whether this is something that is appropriate for you and your former partner. I think one thing is, are you going to be okay with managing the technology, whether that's in your own home or if you're in the office of your solicitor, is that something that will be practicable to do? I have to say for most people, I haven't seen it be an issue, but I think it's worth ticking that box if you can. The second is, can you ensure privacy for the mediation period? So if you are not in your solicitor's office, but you're in either a private residence or a private office, you need somewhere quiet and private to have this conversation. Can you do that? The next is, can you focus on the communication you need to make? So that ability to focus is really key. So it's possible 
for the mediator to help redirect parties to focus. Absolutely, it's possible through online mediation. I think sometimes that can be easier in person. Next is, are you concerned about being present physically with the other person in your mediation? If you are, this can be a really helpful way of making your emotions and maybe their emotions easier to manage. That actually I have only seen this, I think, assist parties who have concerns about having to sit across the table. It doesn't make it harder. It does seem to make it easier for people. Uh, can you be prepared? So make sure that you've got all your information. And really importantly, that if there is anything that you're going to need to talk about, a document, a, um, a statement, some some piece of evidence that you want to discuss at the mediation, that's provided to everybody prior to the starting the mediation so that everybody is in a good position to be able to have that conversation. I think it's also realistic to ask, is there a deadline? Which means that we really need to just press on and mediate to make arrangements that, you know, if there's quarantine, if there are government restrictions, this may be the only option in order to move things forward. And I think it's it's helpful to kind of be realistic. I have to say, if you do have to make that choice based on practicality, I think there are some real benefits that shouldn't be overlooked in remote mediation. So for me, I completed my training. Well, I've now trained in Hong Kong, the US, the UK, and Australia. And definitely for my Australian family dispute resolution practitioner training, remote mediation is common. It wasn't it wasn't felt to be something unusual. And as I said earlier, in my personal practice, in-person has always been the norm. So it's really important to me to ensure that people can keep moving forward through their separation transition. And I think the reality is, in a lot of places, given that courts have been closed or restricted in their activities, mediating has become the only option for some people to get some resolution, even if it's interim, to get some answers. And I think it's been extremely beneficial for me to push all of my mediations to a remote platform to actually have a chance to experience what it is like, not just the people who actively want to remote mediate, but everybody. And I think I've been surprised by how effective it can be. So if you are looking at mediation, have a think about some of those questions but don't rule out remote mediation. It might be just what you need. Okay, so thanks for listening and take care.